This episode is brought to you by ABC. Station 19 is back for its final and hottest season yet. Andy finally becomes captain, and she's going to give it her all to be the best leader this station has ever seen. Will she succeed? Get ready for fiery new romances and high adrenaline rescues. Watch the Station 19 season premiere tonight at a new time, 10, 9 central on ABC and stream on Hulu. This episode is brought to you by Jinx, the superfood-powered dog kibble everyone's been talking about. See the results for yourself and try their one-month transformation. Within the first few weeks, you'll see how Jinx can help with your dog's energy, mood, and even digestion. And it's all thanks to the high-quality ingredients they use, like organic chicken, Atlantic salmon, and grass-fed beef. Try the one-month transformation today. Find Jinx in your local Walmart. Welcome, dear listener, to Fear from the Heartland. I'm your host, Paul J. McSorley. Set aside some moments now and take an adventurous ride on a journey into the psyche of some talented writers. They will dig into your being and titillate you. Oh, I love that word, titillate. While the stories may not all take place in the Heartland, I am delivering them to you from the Heartland. My intention is to strike fear and confusion into the mind, soul, and yes, the heart. This is Fear from the Heartland. Hello, Heartlanders, and welcome to Season 3, Episode 25 of Fear from the Heartland. I'm your host, Paul J. McSorley. Hey, Heartlanders, you guys patrons yet? Visit simplyscarypodcast.com and click Patrons in the upper menu to join the club. You'll get ad-free versions of this and all our other podcasts, including hundreds of standalone releases from our audio archives dating back to 2012. It's a great way to show your support, and you get a whole lot for it. Oh, sure. Everybody says they want to keep Christmas traditional. But when I dress like the Krampus, put their brats in a sack, and start beating them with a reed, suddenly I've gone too far. Sometimes I wrestle with my demons. Sometimes we snuggle. Three gems tonight... A Short Short by Dirk Stevens, A Tale with Familiar Heroes by Xavier Poe Kane, and a story by a newcomer to Fear from the Heartland, Rob Wright. Let's get after it. Christmas presents are cool to give, and to receive if we are being totally honest, but a presence on Christmas Eve is way different. As we are about to find out in tonight's first story, Christmas Presents by Dirk Stevens. Stepping from the fireplace, I slip my bag from my shoulder, flop it onto a rather ugly overstuffed recliner, and groan. Five hundred thousand down, and... I wave a hand through the air. Gold sparks flicker into a list floating before my face, but I still have to squint to read the elven letters bobbing slightly before my eyes. Fifty-six thousand to go. I take in the tree, the stacks of presents, the candles, and garland decorating the room. Snarling, I swipe the list from existence. It doesn't make sense. This family went all out. Clearly they aren't in need. Seem to have a happy home. And still, here I am. I twist around to stretch out a kink between my shoulder blades. Now, if they were poor, or there was some sign of trouble, then I could understand. But that's not my job. 
My back pops and I snatch the bag from the chair. Christmas, I snort. Every year it's the same, house to house, eating until I can barely move, and then it's back to the North Pole until next year. For all time. Ah, well, at least the food is good. Extending my middle finger, I draw the slight circle and intersecting lines of a sound-dampening spell. The marks shimmer, the air pulses around me like ripples on a pond, and they fade away. There, I heft the bag over my shoulder and sniff the air. Nutmeg, cinnamon, and the soft scent of sulfur. My gaze jumps to the ceiling. Hmm... He's upstairs. Great. Sighing, I scratch the fur of my neck and force my tired legs into motion. The stairs thunk dully under my steps, the sound muted by the spell. Even the creaky door on the eight-year-old's bedroom barely makes a sound as I struggle to get through and close it behind me. No one else can hear anything. Even in the bubble, sound is dim but the child still snorts when I click the lock. I freeze, holding my breath. He rolls over onto his side and his breathing sinks into its slow, deep rhythm. Good. I smile, letting my breath go. If he woke now, it would spoil the surprise. Quietly as I can, I slip the bag from my back, lower it to the floor, and reach inside. My hand closes around the gift he deserves, and I have to bite my lip to keep them from laughing. I'll bet he never expected this. Stepping to the side of his bed, I lift my flail high and roar, Zachary Small, and bring it down on the sleeping boy with all my strength. The boy jerks awake just as my whip strikes his face. A gash opens on his cheek. He screams and crawls for the edge of the bed. The next swing catches him across the back, knocking him flat. A red stripe soaks through his pajamas. He curls into a ball, screaming as I thrash him across his arms, head, legs, over and over until blood streaks the walls and ceiling, until he loses consciousness, until my arm tires. Only then do I turn toward the door and whisper, You've been naughty. Licking the blood from the fur around my wrist, I lean down to stuff the whip back into my bag when a soft tingle echoes in my ear. My tail flicks. Yes, Krampus here. What is it? Sorry, Krampus. Dee Dee made the list and, well, you know how he is. Yes, yes, I snicker, a new thinker. He doesn't approve of my job, thinks naughty children can be reformed by love and understanding. Bah, the idiocy. What's the problem this time? Anyway, Zachary was very naughty. Bad, actually. Evil, almost. Was he now? I purr licking my lips as I glare back at my next freshly tenderized meal. Thank you for letting me know. Oh, and Merry Christmas, my elven friend. Now, where did that nutmeg smell come from, I wonder? I hope you enjoyed tonight's story, Christmas Presents, written by Dirk Stevens. Dirk Stevens exists only as a fantasy, more at home among the fairies as goblins of his imagination than roaming the mundane realm of mortals. He's an award-winning member of the Springfield Writers Guild and the author of many dark short stories, including Purgatory, 2021. Lil's single mistake ends her engagement and her life. Now forced to haunt the man she loves, Lil struggles to find a way to keep him alive. 
Purgatory can be found on Amazon.com. Snaggle and Thor, two dogs living in the heartland of Missouri, have led some eventful lives, possibly saving humankind from alien invasion and occupation. In tonight's story, their actions could possibly save something even more dear, Christmas. And now, for your indulgence, Snaggle and Thor Save Christmas by Xavier Poe Kane. Snaggle and Thor slept, both warmed against the December night by the other's body heat and the orange twinkling embers of a dying fire. Visions of the large chicken that the humans would be cooking soon were dancing in their heads. But what Snaggle really wanted, and dared to hope for every time this strange part of the year came around, was what the humans of his pack called steak. With chicken, the humans shared freely. When they would bring the bird home fully cooked, sometimes they would have two, one to share with him. Those were some of the best days. In the time since he and Thor had battled the bad creature, their humans had given them lots of chicken. Snaggle even licked his chops when he dared to dream of a nice juicy steak. He had been quick enough to snatch a dropped morsel on a few rare occasions, and it was the most heavenly food he could imagine. But most times, he had to settle for just the wonderful smell of it being cooked. While a feast for his nose, it left his belly wanting. Sure, Thor would roll his eyes whenever Snaggle brought up the subject of steak. He always reminded Snaggle that it was one of the tasty things that their humans never shared with them. Snaggle hated Thor's insistence on this point whenever he would fantasize about a full serving of the yummy meat. Krampus's hooves crunched in the snow as he made his way through the woods. The bitter cold Midwestern December night was nothing compared to his homeland in the Austrian Central Alps. This part of Missouri always made him nostalgic for home. Many Germanic farmers settled here, and while not his beloved Austria, it was close enough to trigger nostalgia. He had once been a fur-clad man by the name of Belsnickel. He was not treated kindly by his village and mocked for having an abnormally long tongue, even though in private, many of the ladies had found it titillating. Ooh. But his life changed when St. Nicholas offered him a position as a servant. Initially, it had been a good life, a step up from his peasant origins, but his duties changed over time. It all started when his lord began requiring assistance with Christmas Eve. If children knew their prayers and were well behaved, his master would give them a sweet or present. However, the task of leaving coal or giving a birch rod beating to the children St. Nicholas deemed unworthy fell to him. Eventually, the joy that good children felt toward Belsnickel's lord changed the other man. He grew less stern and more jolly, his name changing along with his temperament. He went from the formal Saint Nicholas to the more familiar Nick before at last settling upon Santa Claus. He took a wife, a scarlet-haired beauty Belsnickel loved the moment he set eyes on her. But thinking she would have nothing to do with a saint's lowly manservant, he never approached her. Whereas the years had been kind to Santa Claus, they had not been kind to Belsnickel. His jealousy over his lord's marriage to the woman of his dreams, along with the anger over increasingly ill-behaved children, ate at his soul. Slowly, but almost imperceptibly, the furs he had worn became indistinguishable from his sinewy body. The children's fear contrasted with their cruel taunts of, Servant devil, caused his form to morph. His feet hardened into hooves, his face grew gaunt and narrow. Horns pierced the skin on the crown of his head. His long tongue and his duties were the only parts of Belsnickel, the man that remained. Even his name evolved into something darker. Krampus. For centuries, he slaved under Santa Claus, doing the dirty jobs the jolly fat bastard was too good to do. Santa was celebrated with feasts, while Krampusnacht, in the few places it was celebrated, involved young men parading through the streets dressed as him to terrify children and engage in the very debauchery he was sworn to punish. While Santa got milk and cookies left over from his festivities, Krampus just got more work. And this year, this year the children were especially bad and Krampus had had enough. 
Supply chain issues were the straw that broke Rudolph's back. He ran out of coal in the mid-Missouri town of Herman. I have come here to give coal and birch beatings, he said as he got into Santa's sleigh, and I'm all out of coal. The asshole behind the reins merely shrugged his shoulders as he shoved another cookie in his face. Hmm, I don't know. Give them all beatings? You are Krampus after all. Bad children are your specialty, Santa had said before laughing the problem off. Ho, ho, ho. Why don't you ever punish the bad ones? Maybe at this next house we swap. Krampus gets to be the good guy once, he practically pleaded. Santa just stared at his assistant. No, 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 he said without any semblance of his usual jolliness as the sleigh took off. Santa was often obnoxious and had always hated getting his hands dirty by punishing the bad children. Just once, Krampus insisted defiantly. I'll quit if you don't let me at least fill one good child's stocking or you put just one piece of coal in a bully's stocking. Bell's nickel. Don't make promises you can't keep. Something was off this Christmas, and Krampus could tell from Santa's tone that whatever was bothering the bastard was being taken out on him. You can't just quit. Where will you go? Your home is the North Pole, and the human world is not kind to supernatural beings, especially ones who, sorry to be blunt, look like a monster like you. Santa sighed. Your future is with the Klaus family, whether we like it or not. Something snapped in Krampus. Tired of being the monster, he grabbed the fat fuck and forced the jolly elf into his own magical sack. After securing the bag, he reached for the reins to pilot the sleigh. Unfortunately, reindeer were stubbornly loyal. Having none of the hijacking, they landed in a clearing near a humble home on the outskirts of the village of Leesburg, Missouri. He tossed the wiggling bag into the snow before jumping off it himself. The reindeer immediately took off, stranding him and his hostage. Happy holidays to you too, you bunch of ingrates, he yelled as Rudolph's blinking nose disappeared into the distance. Krampus had to act fast. The sleigh would make it to the North Pole and back quickly, and filled with a squad of elite emergency response elves. Let me out of here, you naughty devil! Santa shouted from his magical prison, causing Krampus to drop his burden. Oomph! <laughs> Krampus pulled a birch switch from the quiver he kept on his back and began swatting the lumpy form of Santa Claus. Quiet! Let me think! He yelled, stopping only after Santa had indeed gone quiet. He needed a plan. Thankfully, he had seen a house nearby. There were four adults and two dogs, but no children. While he and his kidnapped companion were immortal, they were not invincible. In this part of the country, he knew people kept personal armories full of high-powered hunting rifles and other weapons. He and Santa carried fairy dust that kept parents deep asleep. If some meddlesome adult was up and about, they could use the dust to mesmerize them and convince them to go to bed. While he had never tried anything of the sort before, Krampus figured it would be easy to make one of these adults kill Santa in their sleep. That way, he could make his escape, and they would have to deal with the elf assassins Mrs. Klaus would be sending after him. If everything worked out for him, he'd find a tropical island and live out the rest of eternity in peace, the world continuing to spin just fine without him. This episode is brought to you by Jinx, the superfood-powered dog kibble everyone's been talking about. See the results for yourself and try their one-month transformation. Within the first few weeks, you'll see how Jinx can help with your dog's energy, mood, and even digestion. And it's all thanks to the high-quality ingredients they use, like organic chicken, Atlantic salmon, and grass-fed beef. Try the one-month transformation today. Find Jinx in your local Walmart. Snaggle perked up as he heard steps outside and smelled a scent he hadn't smelled in a long time. His alphas had once had a pup, but she had gotten sick and passed. Once a year, two humans, one that smelled more like an animal and the other big and oozing goodness, would stop by, and the good one would leave presents that made the human pup squeal and glee. She was happy, but it made Snaggle's ears hurt. 
Yet it was worth it, as the big, oozy, good human would leave him a nice bone with bits of meat steadfastly clinging to it. Sometimes he even gave Snaggle a new squeaky toy. The scent of the animal man was strong, but the big human's scent was weak. The sound of hooves clomping on the porch steps got Snaggle's tail wagging as he rose to his three paws. He let out a long, soft bark that roused Thor from his slumber. The sound and unfamiliar scent raised Thor's hackles. Thor whimpered, Why tail wagging? Stranger danger. Good strangers, bring presents, Snaggle barked back. Thor's hackles lowered and his fur laid flat as he sauntered over to Snaggle and plopped down next to him. His tail remained still as the door opened, a cold wind blowing snow into the house. The tall figure of a horned fur-covered human cast a shadow across the dogs. Snaggle's tail stopped wagging when he didn't see the jolly companion he had smelled. A hoof thumped against the hardwood floors the figure tentatively stepped into the house. It looked down upon the dogs, regarding them for a second before fully entering. Snaggle and Thor stood and followed the intruder into the kitchen, their tails tucked between their legs. Snaggle wasn't sure what to make of the situation, but he watched the intruder's every move. The furry man dropped a large wiggling sack on the kitchen floor. The man then reached for something he carried on the collar he wore around his hips. It looked like a treat bag, which made both dogs' tails wag. The intruder dumped something into his hand and blew it into Snaggle and Thor's faces, causing them to sniffle. Snaggle's head began to swim and his vision to blur. There seemed to be two of the furry man, and he could hear scents and smell sounds. But it was only briefly, for when he shook his head, everything went back to normal. Ever since his and Thor's encounter with the small, large-eyed humans who helped defeat the bad creatures, they could more easily shake off unpleasantness. It came in handy when dealing with the skunk-smelling cigarettes Thor's alpha had a habit of smoking. Even things like getting a burr stuck in their paws rarely hurt like they used to, and Snaggle's joints hardly ached anymore. Snuggle? Is that you? The muffled voice of the large, happy man who brought bones and squeaky toys came from the bag, startling the two dogs. It's Santa. You've been a very good boy. Get me out of here and I promise you and Thor a very special Christmas present. Snaggle looked at his packmate, then the sack, then the furry human. He bared his teeth and began barking, charging the strange man who let out a yelp and started running deeper into the house. Seconds later, Thor was barking and had joined the chase toward the back door. The intruder hit the dead end, giving Snaggle a chance to bite him on the butt. Overdumped, the furry man screamed. Krampus, language, Santa exclaimed from his prison of magical burlap. Snaggle and Thor snarled at the intruder as he fumbled with the back door knob for a few moments, but he got it unlocked and rushed outside into the cold Christmas Eve night. Satisfied, the canine pair pranced back to the wiggling sack and began sniffing it. Snaggle watched as Thor began tugging at a string. His friend could never resist playing tug. Snaggle was skeptical, but to his surprise, the rope loosened and slipped off, letting the sack open. A very disheveled Santa Claus emerged. Snaggle plopped down and cocked his head, looking at the familiar man standing in front of him. He watched Thor take the rope as a prize and retreat to his bed to chew on it. Good boy, Snaggle, Santa said, patting his head before making his way to Thor's bed to tussle with the black lab. Snaggle lay down and watched the show. He knew Thor thought it was a game, but he wasn't sure about Santa. What the hell? The sound of Snaggle's alpha made him lift his head. Thor's alpha stood next to Snaggle's and both held the boomsticks that hurt their ears. However, after they had tangled with the bad creatures, Snaggle had acquiesced that they were a necessary evil. Ho, ho, ho! Santa laughed as he dropped his end of the rope. Glenn, Richard, so happy to see you. Have you been good children this year? Neither human spoke, even when the door opened and a woman dressed in a dark brownish-gray outfit matching Santa's entered. Nicholas Christopher Kringle, she said as she flew into his arms. You gave us all a dreadful fright. Oh, Jessica, it's just Krampus. He went a little too far this year, but... Mrs. Klaus is a ginger? Thor's human exclaimed. You look nothing like your pictures, Snaggle's human chimed in. Snaggle was getting a little suspicious about his human's behavior. 
Santa and Mrs. Claus were good, but humans typically weren't good judges of character. That's why dogs made an alliance with them. They were helped by a dog's sense of danger, and canines got food they didn't have to hunt for, with chicken and the occasional drop piece of steak as special bonuses. Mrs. Claus chuckled. I would say that we get that a lot, but most good boys are fast asleep when Santa makes his deliveries. What say I go tuck you good boys in? Giggity, Thor's human said, unable to help himself. Oh, Glenn, she said, pulling something from Santa's belt. As she poured some of the contents into her hand, Snaggle recognized it as what the furry human had blown in his and Thor's face. Now you don't want to be a bad boy, do you? Mrs. Klaus blew a cloud of the dust in the humans' faces before Glenn could speak again. Snaggle cocked his head, trying to figure out what he was seeing. Their humans had fallen asleep but were still standing. Mrs. Claus guided them upstairs. Santa picked up his rope, discarded by a mesmerized Thor while the scene unfolded, and went to his sack. There was a soft knock at the door just as Mrs. Claus came back downstairs. She opened the door and two little men entered. Yes, Hermes and Maxwell? Has Noel found Krampus yet? She asked. No, ma'am, Hermes reported. He covered his tracks, Maxwell added. Noel is here? Santa asked as he stepped over to Snaggle and Thor. And you activated the emergency lifesaver force? Of course, darling. Santa gave the two dogs scratches. Would you boys want to help Santa's daughter and elves find that mean old Krampus? I'll leave you something special. Snaggle looked at Thor, who rolled his eyes, knowing no argument for staying cozy in the warm house would do. They once more rose to their paws and followed one of the small men outside. He pulled out a candy cane and spoke into it. Songbird, this is Dentist. We've got two very good boys joining us to sniff out broken birch. Plumber and I are joining the hunt. Copy. Songbird's voice was clear to Snaggle's acute hearing. She sounded like a younger version of Mrs. Claus. The tracks went cold at the wood line. I hope you're talking about the puppies in the house and not the boys who live there. I checked everyone's names against Santa's lists. The dogs are really good boys. The wives are absolute angels. And Rich is okay. Glenn, though. Songbird's voice trilled. Yes, ma'am. We've got the puppers. Dentist responded. Meet me out back. Krampus ran, the snow crunching under his hooves. He hated winter. The snow always clung to his fur and made him cold everywhere. Living in Santa's domain meant he had to suffer winter all year long. Krampus often wondered if relocation to a warmer climate might give him a sunnier disposition. He would soon find out because he had no choice but Mexico. He had read about the Mayan ruins at Chichen Itza, and it sounded like an amazing magical place. Yes, the Yucatan would be where he started a new life. He closed his eyes and imagined watching the spring and autumn equinoxes play their tricks of light and shadow, casting the illusion of the feathered serpent god Kukukan crawling down the steep stairs of the Temple of Kukukan Pyramid. The barking of dogs pulled him from his dreams of freedom. Verdant, he growled as he pushed deeper into the woods. He doubted anyone from the small village was chasing him. These had to be the best of the best of the emergency life-saving force led by none other than Noel Klaus. The thought of Santa's daughter made Krampus's heart beat that much faster. As she became a woman, he had fallen in love with her like her mother before her. But her father had been born in 270 AD and lacked the egalitarian impulses of the modern world. Despite Noel's admission to her father that the attraction was mutual, he would not allow his daughter to date a lowly manservant especially one wildly mocked by elves and children alike as Santa's shadow or the Christmas demon. The barking of the meddlesome dogs drew nearer and brought his focus back to his escape. He pushed himself to run farther, but he felt his magic failing him. Each breath began to burn his lungs, and the pounding of paws beating on the snow-covered ground was almost upon him. There was a snarling growl as canine jaws nipped at his shins before the three-legged one once more managed to sink teeth into his butt. A lyrical feminine voice pierced the icy air. Bell's nickel, freeze. 
Noel's voice galvanized him to find the energy to run faster. He heard a loud pop, similar to the noise of a champagne bottle being uncorked. In an instant, he found himself bound in magical tinsel from his torso down to his ankles. He fell, landing face down in the snow. Snaggle had done it. With Thor's help, they had led the woman and her strange short companions to the bad man who had invaded the sanctity of their den and kidnapped the jolly man with delicious presents. They circled him after the woman had shot the furry man with a strange boomstick, bringing him down but not seeming to hurt him much. However, Snaggle felt the jerk still needed to be taught a lesson about home invasion and kidnapping, so he lifted his phantom leg over that of their prey. This elicited laughter from the two small males who followed the woman. However, she had the same disappointed expression Snaggle's alpha female usually had when he had an accident inside the house. It's okay, Snaggle, she said with an exasperated sigh. You and Thor are good boys. Hurry home. Santa has a special present for each of you. Neither dog had to be told twice and they began sprinting home. Krampus struggled against his tinsel bonds and only grew more pissed off by the way they twinkled in the full moon. The sound of boots crunching in the snow made him still as the maddening laughter from the elves assaulted his ears. Dentist, plumber, show some respect, Noel commanded, causing the pair to go silent. She knelt in the snow next to his face. He turned his head, not wanting to face her as the reality of everything he had thrown away weighed him down. He felt her hands petting his fur. Oh, my sweet bells, Nickel. Why? Why this year of all years? Her voice was soft, a little sad. Krampus grunted, irritated by her touch, but unable to get away from it. I told him. I told him all I wanted for Christmas was you, Noel admitted. Krampus turned to face her. Please, Noel. Don't be cruel and tease me. He searched her face and found a tear sliding down her cheek. It's no tease. I know there's good in you, that what you do is for the greater good. It takes a lot of character to guide children away from naughtiness. She continued to stroke his fur. It's much easier to give good children sweets and presents. But I'm just a lowly manservant, and you're the princess of the North Pole. She chuckled sweetly. Times change. Attitudes change. And my father can change, albeit slowly. The sound of sleigh bells could be heard in the distance. Come, let me free you so we can go home and fix this. Snaggle watched as Thor pushed the door to his den open and the pair was met with the delightful scent of steak. Snaggle's tail began to wag happily. He looked at his friend. Thor simply lowered his gaze. Don't get your hopes up. Snaggle decided to ignore his packmate and pushed into the house. There was no sign Santa had ever been there besides cookie crumbs, an empty glass of milk, and two dog bowls filled with chunks of medium-rare ribeye steaks. I hope you enjoyed tonight's story, Snaggle and Thor Save Christmas, by Xavier Poe Kane. Not yet a best-selling author, Xavier Poe Kane is a former door gunner on the International Space Station. When not making the galaxy safe for democracy, he writes whatever weirdness comes to mind. He currently lives in the woods with his wife Morticia in a state of mutual weirdness with their dogs Chuck Norris and the three-legged Jabba the Hutt. Thanks to the GI Bill, he has an MFA in popular fiction writing and publishing from Emerson College. He is currently working on his second publication, a collection of short stories tentatively titled Broken Hearts and Other Horrors. You can hook up with Xavier and check out what consumes him at his website, www.xaviercane.com. That's X-A-V-I-E-R. K-A-N-E dot com. You can also go to Amazon.com and search for Xavier O. Kane. 
and that will take you to his author page. Or Twitter at XavierCane9 and on Facebook, Xavier Kane. Going to find out who's naughty or nice. Forever, we have believed that Santa Claus, old Kris Kringle, Saint Nick, was the one in charge of that infamous naughty list. Seems there is a new keeper of said list, as we give you for your indulgence, The Enlistment Clause by Rob Wright. Making a list and checking it twice. He's gonna find out who's naughty and nice. Santa Claus is coming to town. You know that list that Santa Claus makes? Well, guys, it's real. Read on and find out just how I know. I know that Christmas is meant to be a season of good cheer, but since what happened, it's one I fear. I dare say I was one of the lucky ones to get out. But I digress. Let me start from the beginning. My name is Joey McIntosh, and when this happened, I was only seven years old. I am 17 now. When I was younger, I was a selfish, spoiled little turd and it shames me to admit it, but it's true. I was so ungrateful, and no matter how much I got, I wanted more. I don't know how my poor parents coped. Throughout the year, I was like the child from hell. Disrespectful, spiteful, cruel, and totally thoughtless were just a few things on my list of qualities, so to speak. Yet, despite all this, my parents never failed to do their best for me, come Easter, birthday, and Christmas. However, I'd imagine there were worse behaved kids than myself. This particular Christmas, shit really kicked off. During my seventh year alive, I was such a little shit. Frankly, I don't know how my parents managed to put up with all I put them through. My parents, however, saw beyond my youthful elish oafishness. They kept their patience and unbelievably cheery attitude despite my evil ways. They kept warning me Santa wouldn't be pleased but would I listen? Would I hell? Santa doesn't exist, I retorted defiantly. Very well, Joey. Don't believe in him and woe betide you on Christmas morning, replied my mom, looking disgruntled. I didn't let up, though. I continued right on, just being an asshole and getting on my mom and dad's nerves at any chance I had. Until Christmas Eve, that is. Christmas Eve came along and I was as obnoxious as ever. I pushed my parents so far that I was sent to bed without any supper. That didn't faze me though. I decided that I would stay awake and await the arrival of the so-called Santa. Just so happened, I wasn't the only one waiting. Now, unbeknownst to me, this particular year wasn't just a bad one for all the parents, as all of us dipshit kids would soon find out. So determined was I to prove that my mother and father were wrong and full of crap over their Santa claims that I faked being asleep and waited until I was sure everyone was in bed asleep. It was only then I made my move. Stealthily, I crept along the darkened landing, being sure to avoid the creaky floorboards. I tiptoed down the stairs toward the living room, hoping that my stupid parents held up tradition enough to leave the usual milk and cookies. Christ! I got sent to bed without food, so it was the least my sucky parents could do. I walked into the gloom-filled front room and flipped on the light switch, walking towards the fireplace and scoring. I saw a mouth-watering plate of tasty-looking cookies and a glass of milk, though I wasn't sure how long it had stood there. I flopped down in the armchair my dad loved to sit in. Screw him, I thought rebelliously. I started wolfing down the heaven on the plate and waited the inevitable. Either one of my parents in a crappy Santa suit or the supposed big fat git himself. Personally, I wanted to see the look on my mom or dad's face when I caught them out, thus proving them to be liars in my eyes. I made myself comfortable and waited. At around midnight, the grandfather clock in the hallway struck the hour and made me nearly crap my pants. 
damn that clock. I was already on edge being downstairs alone and all. Now feeling a little more alert, I wandered into the kitchen and opened the fridge where I proceeded to open a can of Coke to drink whilst waiting. Now, had I been in the front room, I would have seen it coming, but I was too busy chugging on my Coke to hear anything approaching me from behind. I had just enough time to catch a low thud, then everything went black. I came to after what seemed like hours later and in a place I didn't recognize. I was in some kind of warehouse, or at least what it looked like. I wasn't alone. There were other kids there, as well as the kid from next door. He was just as much of a douche as I was, and he too was just as confused. Where are we? asked Darius. I don't know, but I think we should shout for help, I replied. I started to yell for help at the top of my lungs. This inspired other kids to begin crying out for help too. After minutes of ear-splitting noise, our captor made her appearance. That's right, you heard correctly. Our abductor was a woman. But not just any woman, as we soon discovered to our surprise. A loud screeching emitted from the doorway as a huge metal door slid open. In the doorway there stood a middle-aged woman wearing one of those god-awful Christmas jumpers. She had brown eyes and long wavy brown hair. She was a round chubby looking lady with a stern expression on her face. It was now we were to find out who this bitch was and why we were here. Hello children, does anyone know who I am? Inquired the serious looking lady. As there was no reply, the burly woman continued. I am Mrs. Claus and I am Santa's wife. You are all here for one reason, as you know, Santa has a naughty and nice list. Every single year this list keeps growing with every child that is born. The list, as you would imagine, is very, very long, and to check it twice takes longer every year, she continued. This task in itself is a hard one and keeps Santa busy for months on end. The naughty list is growing bigger with every passing year, and reading it is more and more upsetting and heartbreaking for Santa to read. It's growing because all you little brats refuse to behave and be good for your mothers and fathers. As Santa is getting older and the list makes him ill to keep reading it, I decided to take care of this problem myself, she said with a sadistic grin. Seems my husband is far too gentle and kind-hearted to sort this out. Back in the 1800s and 1900s, at least he held his side of the promise and left coal in all your stockings. But because of the size of the list, he gave up as he felt there would be no teaching you ungrateful little fools a lesson anymore. That's why I am here. That's why you are here. I realized putting pieces of coal in your stockings is ultimately pointless as you will never learn. This led me to thinking. So I also noticed the list of items you all want grows with every new child that enters this world. Our elves struggled to make everything in time. That's rubbish. Our parents buy our presents, retorted a blonde-haired little boy from amongst the huge crowd of young faces. Silence! Escort that kid to the incinerator room and put him to work cleaning the ash pit, screamed the lady, clearly enraged by the boy's ignorance. To cut a long story short... You are all here to work for a full year in the workshops making the toys that you all receive at Christmas. Maybe from the hard work, you'll realize just how hard it is to make you happy. You should all know two things. A year in Lapland takes only an evening to go by in your world. Secondly, you're here to work. Behave yourselves and you will go home. Let me make it easier to understand. You will all go home once the year is out. Behave and stay as children. Be naughty and become one of the toys you will all learn to make. And your parents will forget you wherever their children are. Your choice. Elves, take them away, announced Mrs. Claus. We were all taken to our rooms that only had a bed and wardrobe with several sets of the same uniform. Not exactly an elf uniform as it lacked color. Browns, grays, troll greens, and other miserable colors. Jeez, that woman was out to prove a point. We had to put these ugly outfits on and then we were herded into the main workshop and split up. 
The workshop was more like a garage workshop, all dark and dreary. Nothing like I've seen in all those Christmas movies. I was taken to a part of the workshop where wood came through in log form. I had to pick up these logs with two other kids my size and feed them into a machine that cut it into smaller parts that made them easier to work with. Darius was one of the kids in my group. After a few days of solid work, I had come to a decision. As I actually loved my parents, I wanted to go back to them as their son. I have to be good from now on. A week or so went by. Same job every day and I was beginning to see just how hard it was to keep making toys for kids all over the world. Joey, psst, whispered Darius. Hey Darius, what's up? I whispered back. A few of the kids on our floor are looking at escaping this place tonight. You want to join us? Asked the boy in a hushed tone. No, I daren't. I want to go back to my mom and dad when we're finished here. I don't want to make Mrs. Claus angry. I replied with fear. You're a chicken, he jeered at me. Well, you saw what happened to that kid when he was naughty, I explained. There's loads of us here. Who's going to notice a few of us gone? Asked Darius. Well, you can try, but I want to go home to my mom and dad, I replied fearfully. Fine, suit yourself then. Don't cry when we get home before you, Darius retorted, quite disappointed. I continued my work in silence that night, just praying for the time when I get to see my parents again. While I was working there, I found out other kids had been naughty and heard the fates they suffered. Two girls got work in the kitchens and stole some food from Mrs. Claus's private pantry. They were turned into gingerbread girls and eaten by the elves. One kid who got painting duties on the toy line refused to work and paint the tricycles, so he was turned into a painting and mailed to his parents. As far as I could recall, at least 12 kids had been turned into toys and backed away into the sack. I noticed Mrs. Claus had stayed true to her word so far. A week later, I was woken up one night by a huge commotion out in the hall. Someone was banging on the doors to the rooms and calling out names. It got to my door and called out my name. Joey McIntosh called a name from the beginning of my door, followed by a huge bang. I got up and walked out into the hallway and looked around. I think Darius's escape with his friends had been discovered. This struck me as a roll call to work out who was missing. Mrs. Claus strode down the hallway and looked furious. Everybody downstairs to the workshop, now, bellowed the angry lady. We were herded downstairs to the workshop and made to stand in a circle around a huge machine. I heard screaming and shouting and glanced over in that direction. Let me fucking go, shouted Darius. The other escapees weren't so resistant. Please let's go, we're so sorry, wailed the young boys, clearly distressed. They were being carried by gnomes. These guys weren't anything like the jolly little dudes you see in the back gardens across the world. These looked really tough and were very muscular and definitely not to be messed with. Mrs. Klaus spoke up. For the good girls and boys who are trying to change, I am very sorry. It turns out there are still some amongst you who just won't behave. Bring the naughty boys here. Darius and the other two boys were carried in front of the annoyed woman. These three bad little boys decided to try and escape this punishment. I'm afraid you're all going to see just what happens. Please let us go. We won't do it again. We're so sorry, cried the boys in panic. Indeed you shall be, but I'm afraid no one will learn if I don't make an example of you. Put them in, announced the lady in an eerily calm voice. They were tossed in one by one. Although the screams were deafening and the image was harrowing, the noise soon died down as they went through the machine. A loud rumble was emitted by the contraption as the boys went through their transformation. The two boys emerged from the machine and there were big gasps from the assembled group as they saw what they had become. One was a jack-in-the-box with the boy's very lifelike face. Another boy came out as a nutcracker doll with a lifelike face nestled beneath a huge guard's hat. Darius had become something very fitting for his stupid behavior. A donkey. He was about the size of an Alsatian and looked better than any toy you could buy in a store. As you can see... This is what will happen if you are naughty. 
Mrs. Claus explained. About a half year went by when I was walking back to my room after a long hard day of working when I noticed something on the wall that I had never seen before. The naughty list. As I browsed the names upon the list, something strange happened. A name on a particular page I was reading completely disappeared. Now I wondered if that's what happened to kids on the list when they were too naughty and turned into a toy or something else. As I was reading, a gnome passed me, also on the way to bed. Excuse me, can I ask a question please? I said to the tired little man. Sure, what is it? He replied. You know what happens to the names on this list when they disappear? The gnome smiled a knowing smile at me and said, I think you already know the answer, but do you want to know something the big lady doesn't want you to know? Yeah, what's that? I inquired. You know how Santa is a good man? While she is his bad side come alive. Legend has it that Santa refused to take toys to the children of a certain name of gypsies and had a curse placed on him that he must live with the darkest part of his ego, and that's exactly who Mrs. Claus is. She has made our lives hell too. We used to be happy people before coming here. Most of us have been changed for the worse by being here. Santa doesn't really have a wife. That's what everyone believes. But please, don't tell anyone what you know, because she will kill us one by one until she finds out who told you, he said with a shudder. Oops, there's another naughty kid off the list, said the little guy, pointing at the disappearance of yet another name from the list. I was later to discover the name to go was a girl who foolishly punched Santa's alter ego. She was then changed into a punching doll, the kind that rocks back up when you hit it. I chose to keep my head down and work hard to leave and see my mom and dad again. The time went fairly fast and soon it was time again to leave. Boy was I excited. Before we were to leave, we were gathered together for a final time. It was at this point we were all suspecting something bad was going to happen. Loads of little young faces looking round with a mixture of puzzled and frightened expressions on them. What's happening? We've been good. We want to go home. Several voices were saying frantically. Silence! Mrs. Claus has something to tell you all. The squeaky voice of a bad gnome yelled over the gathering commotion. Mrs. Claus made her way to a makeshift platform constructed of sturdy wooden crates, looked at us all, and held aloft the list and finally spoke. I know you're all excited and expecting to go home tonight, but the truth is, you're all on the naughty list. That is the reason you are here after all. You see, there was another reason you came here. <laughs> she chuckled insanely. Santa's elves have been struggling to cope with the increasing demands that all of you little brats have been making. And it seems all you kids have shown such promise and ability when given something to work for. I have decided to keep only the best workers here. Despite me saying you were going home, she continued with a cruel sneer. I was devastated. All my hopes of returning back to my mom and dad were smashed to bits. The thing with working in the actual workshop is you'll never grow older or bigger. You'll fit right in with all those other elves, she announced with an air of abrupt self-satisfaction. But there is just one more matter we need to address right now. There were other children on the list who were naughty whilst they were here, but it was never bad enough to be dealt with at the time. Those names I call up shall return home, but not as they were expecting to. That's right, you'll return as toys or ornaments, and as soon as your parents open the box containing you, they'll forget they ever had you, she said with eerie cheerfulness. Step forward when your names are called. That having been said, she started calling names and one by one they were brought forward in various states of despair. Maisie Jones, Christopher Bertrand, Stefan Kraus, Tang Filung, Joseph Milovich, Anya Kiptik, Jonathan M. Temby, the list went on. I had to get out of there. 
Slowly, I started to shuffle backwards through the huge crowd to try and hide behind a machine out of sight and wait for my escape. Once at the back, I noticed a door was ajar and it wasn't guarded. This was my chance. I crawled out of the door without moving it, just as my name was called. What? What did I do? I heard Mrs. Claus repeating my name a second time, but by this time, I had reached the main door and I threw it open, triggering an alarm. I was now outside running for my life in the freezing cold and heavy snow. I heard dogs barking and squeaky voices of elves calling to the dogs to go faster. I reached the outskirts of a huge forest and I knew that my captors weren't far behind. Now I was darting between trees and jumping roots that climbed from the ground. I turned around just as a leather whip struck my left wrist. I looked down to see a huge welt in the shape of a reindeer emblazoned on my skin. I continued running but failed to look up and slammed headfirst into a low-hanging tree branch. Everything went black. I woke up to the sound of a familiar voice calling my name. Joey? Wake up! Are you okay? Wake up, please! It was my mom. What? What happened? Where am I? I asked, confused. You're in your bed, Joey. You hit your head off your bedside table said my mother in a worried tone. I was home. How? When did I get back? Was it all just a bad dream? Nevertheless, I was overjoyed to be home again. My mom was wiping my forehead that was grazed from when I face-planted the corner of my table. It was bleeding at first, but now it was gone. Come on, honey. Let's go downstairs and see if Santa has been, said my mom excitedly. She got up and left my room. I went to the bathroom to wash my face, brush my teeth, and go to the toilet. As I was washing my hands, water ran over my left wrist and it stung. I looked down, and what did I see? The very same welt that was made by the engraved leather whip. I looked, and there it was, the reindeer. Upon closer inspection, though, I saw words beneath the reindeer. The words that read, He's making a list checking it twice. We will find out if you're naughty or nice. I decided to be good from that day forward. I made sure to be good. My wrist was a permanent reminder of my time with Mrs. Claus. So yes, the list does exist, and we are all on it. So I would advise you all to be good, or suffer as I did. Don't mess with Santa. His wife will make your life hell. I hope you enjoyed tonight's story, The Enlistment Clause by Rob Wright. Rob Wright has been writing for 30 years and started off writing poetry. He has always been a horror fan and six years ago became inspired by Creepypasta on YouTube. This story is part of a book he is writing called Tales from the Rumor Mill, a collection of short creepy tales. He hopes to have it finished in a few years. If you enjoyed tonight's story, hosted by yours truly, Paul J. McSorley, you can search my name on Chilling Tales for Dark Nights on YouTube for additional previous stories. If you'd like to hear more lengthy tales, be sure to take a look at my audiobooks. Available now on audible.com or just visit paulsbooks.net. That's P-A-U-L-S-B-O-O-K-S.net. You can also find me personally on Facebook and Twitter. And with that, listeners, our weekly journey into the psyche has just about come to a close. But before we go, I'd like to take a moment to thank you for joining us for tonight's episode and remind you to take a moment to stop by our iTunes page and leave Chilling Tales for Dark Nights a five-star review and a kind word. And follow us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram if you haven't already. And while you're at it, please remember to stop by our Apple Podcast page 
or wherever else you listen to your favorite podcasts and subscribe. The charts are based on subscriptions, not listens. So if you haven't subscribed yet, I'd really appreciate it. I'm your host for Fear from the Heartland, Paul J. McSorley. I've enjoyed the titillation tonight. Ooh, there's that word again. Thank you for joining me. Hope to see you again next week at Fear from the Heartland.